You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. We are uh, diving into Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to start. Uh, message title is Experiencing Jesus, Experiencing Jesus. Uh, and today I want us to look at uh, the life and the, the impact of Jesus through the lens of one of his closest disciples, a man named Peter. And we're going to start with his first encounter uh, with the Lord, his first encounter, which I've referred to a couple times over the last few weeks, but I want to start there, uh, and we'll get through as much as we can. Uh, but I believe that uh, just, just in this story, we see a life that is radically uh, transformed by the power and love of Jesus, and that's what God can do in any one of our lives. And I believe that God is after more than just uh, what religion has offered and more than what we've heard and known, but there's so much more of Jesus. Uh, do you believe that today? There's so much more of Jesus. There's so much more that God has for each of us. And uh, we're going be to begin in Luke chapter 5. And here's what it says. Jesus got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. And he asked uh, Simon, who would be later called Peter, he asked him to put out a little bit from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Peter, Simon Peter being a fisherman. Uh, but Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and we've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. Verse 8, and he said, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Uh, verse 10, and also there was uh, James and John who were also fishermen. They were partners with Simon. And uh, Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From, from now on, you will catch men. Uh, so when they had brought all their boats to land, both Simon, James, John, and his brother Andrew, uh, here's what it says, they forsook all and followed him. I'm, I'm amazed by this interaction because it starts with Simon making available uh, the, the means of his, you know, he's, he's a fisherman, it's uh, his boat, he's finished up the night of, of a lot of tremendous effort without a lot of uh, results and fruit, and uh, any fisherman knows that the most disappointing thing is to spend all day fishing and not catch anything, although sometimes it's just fun just to be out fishing, but uh, but here's here's where they're at, they're, it's their livelihood, their business, and they've found no no success, no uh, benefit from what they, their efforts have produced, and yet on this day, he encounters Jesus, and there's something in Jesus' teaching, and uh, he's never met him before. Jesus is, uh, is, is teaching his word, and Peter, after a while, uh, begins to notice something, and when, when uh, Jesus tells him, I want you to launch out into the deep, I want you to let down your nets again, do it again, and he, you know, Peter's response initially is, well, I tried that, it didn't work, uh, but hey, you know, at your word, nevertheless, be because you've said so, there's something about you, Jesus, that grips my attention, and, and just because you said it, I'll do it. 
And that's so important for all of us. And no matter what, uh, whether we understand it or not, we just do what Jesus has called us to do and, and respond to his word. And so here's his, in his response, he, he lets down his nets and he uh, casts them on the other side of the boat. And he's pulling in such a harvest, they have to call the other boats to, to help. And, and the nets begin to break. And then uh, after this whole interaction, uh, Simon Peter does something because now he realizes this isn't just a teacher and this isn't just a prophet. This isn't just an ordinary man. This is, in fact, the Son of God. And he falls down at his feet and he says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. He suddenly, in this encounter with Jesus, is aware of his own need, his own uh, shortcomings, his own uh, inadequacy. And, uh, and yet Jesus, uh, you know, Jesus doesn't respond with him. You know, you're right, Simon. <laughs> you're a mess. Uh, you know, no, here's what he tells him. He says, now you've got a purpose. I'm going to, from now on, you're going to catch men. You're not going to be in this boat any longer. You're going to do what you've been doing, but now for an eternal purpose. Uh, and, and so I love this because this response and, and this encounter and experience with Jesus so grips Simon and all those that are with him that they're willing to forsake all. In just one moment of encounter with Jesus, they're willing to forsake all. Like that's not a normal day. That's not a, uh, just an, a normal average interaction with somebody. Uh, they, they recognize that Jesus is something more. He's fully man, but he's fully God. Jesus, the son of God, encountered them that day in a way that changed him forever. And so he forsakes all. They forsake everything they've got because they're willing to follow something that's even greater than what they've known. Uh, to forso- forsook all there in the Greeks is, is, means this, to literally send away or to divorce, to abandon all mutual claims, to no longer discuss or even to give up. So there's the, here's the idea is that they, they forsake everything. They say everything we've been attached to, tied to, weighed down by, we're abandoning all claims to that. Uh, we're, we're willing to follow Jesus. And, and here's what it means to follow. It's a Greek word that means literally to be united in the same road. And I've got four points from, uh, for this message today that deal with our experience experiencing Jesus, no matter where you are in your walk with God, whether you're just beginning, uh, whether you've never encountered Jesus before, or whether you've been a Christian your entire life, I believe there's more to experience in Jesus. And the first one is from this story, and it's very simple, it's to follow Jesus. Experiencing Jesus begins with following Jesus. And, and so it's, uh, they don't understand everything there is. They don't have a degree in theology. They don't understand uh, all the nuance and even all of the things that scripture would say of, you know, uh, science. Simon is not a scholar, he's not a Pharisee, he's, he's probably a Sunday school dropout. Are you with me? Uh, you know, typically, if uh, kids would begin in, in Jewish culture, they would begin at six years old with the book of Leviticus, and many times they would begin to memorize the Old Testament uh, going through the books. But if you couldn't make the cut to be a Pharisee or a rabbi, you would typically go back to your family business, and that's the vast majority. And so Simon is not uh, a great scholar like Paul would be later, but he's just simply a man uh, who's just going about his routine, going about his business but one day Jesus meets him and he's willing to because of his encounter with Jesus is so impacted by it that he's willing to surrender everything that's what a real encounter with Jesus does in our lives that it it moves us to follow 
1 John 2.6 says, He who abides in him ought to walk also just as he walked. See, to follow is more than just signing up for religious uh, attendance or, or to go through certain religious activities. It's actually to follow a person. It's to follow and to know Jesus. It's to follow the person of Jesus. And the Christian life is marked by going the same way as Jesus, following in the same course. It was a practice that uh, in Jewish culture, again, with the rabbis, the the rabbis would have disciples that would literally follow practically in their footsteps. So as they would walk down a road, the disciples would walk down that same road. Uh, You know, Jesus is described as the way, the truth, and the life. He said it of himself. He's the only way to the Father. And the early church would be known not first as Christians. They were known actually as the way. Uh, They were described as the way. And I believe that's because they followed the way. They followed Jesus. They followed his course. They followed his direction. And why that's important is sometimes in my life, even as a believer in Jesus, I can find myself wanting to go my own course. I'm agreeing with the right truth in my mind, but my feet are going a different direction. And to follow Jesus means I'm walking the same road. I'm following after the master. Are are, are you with me? And any time I find myself in my life not growing in my faith, I always have to go back to the place and recognize, am I on the same road? Have I stopped moving or have I tried to go my own direction? Because honestly, there's nothing else that works in the Christian life, but to follow the person of Jesus, to know him and to walk with him. And that's the second point is this, just simply to know Jesus. These are very simple points for you today, you know, but I I feel like for me, uh, there's moments in my life, no matter how much I've known, experienced, and taught the Bible, uh, no matter how much I've grown in my faith, there's some stuff that I just got to go back to basics. Are you with me? I feel like the longer I've been serving Jesus, the more simpler things are getting. Religion complicates what uh, walking with Jesus makes so simple. But to know Jesus is more than just to know about him. You know, if I were to show you a picture of the Grand Canyon, it'd be nice. But it's something entirely different to experience it. It's something entirely different to uh, drive uh, up to the Grand Canyon, to see its depths, to see the beauty, to see the experience, and to breathe the air, and to kind of be in that environment. It's, it's different just seeing a picture than it is hiking into the Grand Canyon. And, and it, whatever it is, the experience is so much more than just to get information. And to know Jesus is to experience Jesus. To know is to experience him. Jesus said that this is eternal life in John 17, 3. This is eternal life. And we usually define eternal life by going to heaven when we die. As Christians, that we believe in Jesus, we put our faith in him, he forgives us of our sin, and we have a home in heaven. And that's a starting point, but Jesus didn't define eternal life that way. He didn't just say it's fire insurance. <laughs> he said, this is actually, this is eternal life. Look at this, John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and the one that you've sent. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know God, that they may know Jesus, to know. And this word know here, to give you another word study, is a Greek word, gnosko, that literally means to know by experience. There's something in our culture where we've gotten comfortable with information, but no experience. 
Like, I, I hope I don't step in any toes here, but, but here's kind of, just in our culture, we've done this. We've kind of separated them. So we, um, I don't think we have any business professors in the room, but it's possible to actually teach business in college and not actually have run one. It's, it's possible to teach something we've never known. And even tragically, in the Christian life, we can teach something that we haven't known. We can, we can repeat facts, we can repeat the right statement of faith, but the goal of the Christian life is to know the person of Jesus. And that was what changed Simon's life, not, 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 a, not a, uh, just a class, not just a good study, although Jesus is teaching and Jesus is in his boat teaching the word, but there's something about the person of Jesus that marks Simon's life so impactfully that he's willing to leave everything he's ever known to follow. To know by experience, Paul would later pray for the church. In the book of Ephesians, he would pray for the church that they would know, same word, to know by experience, that they would know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. You can know Jesus in such a way that your brain can't even catch up yet. Are are you with me? Like, I I haven't figured out everything there is to know about God yet. Uh, And... and (laughs) Come on, there's, there's people that spend their entire lives plunging into the depths of God's word, prayer, spending time with God, and we have yet to, in this life, even come close. And can I just tell you, for all eternity, we're going to be catching glimpses of who he is. The angels that he's created that have known nothing but the unfiltered, unveiled presence of Almighty God still cry out in wonder because they see something new in his glory. They're still in awe of who he is. They still are marked. There's no religious routine for them. There's no, uh, there, there, there's, there's no apathy in the throne room. They're just impacted because they see something different every time they look. Not because he's changing, but there's something that they've never noticed before. There's something they've never, they're holy, holy, holy. That's all they can respond with. And so Simon encounters Jesus. It's better to know by experience than it is just information. Uh, it's better to have an actual experience. So, so anybody who's ever tried online dating knows that sometimes the profile doesn't match the person. Why are you laughing? But there's something about Jesus that's so much greater. The more you know him, the more you realize he's greater than anything you've been told. In Matthew 16, Simon, fast forwarding, he's walked with Jesus for a little bit. And and now Jesus, as as he's healing, as he's setting captives free, as he's teaching his word, uh, one day he turns to his disciples, including Simon, and here's what he says to them. "Uh, Who do men say that I am? What, what's, what's the word in town? What's, what's the conversation? He says, who do men say that I am? And, and the reason he's asking this isn't because he needs to know. It's because he's wanting to provoke a response from them. And so, uh, you know, they say, well, some say Elijah or John the Baptist. They go through the list of what people's opinions are of Jesus. And, uh, and, and, and every one of those is off the mark. Uh, and then Simon speaks up and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, or son of Jonah, uh, blessed are you, for flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. You didn't get this by asking somebody else. This was revealed by my Father who's in heaven. See, to really know Jesus, 
has to be more than just somebody else's faith being imparted to you. Somebody else telling you about God. You have to personally encounter him for yourself. Because he asks them, he says, who do men say that I am? But he turns to them and he says, who do you say? Jesus asked the disciples who've walked with Jesus, that have known Jesus at a certain extent, but he says, who do you say? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what your parents said, your grandparents, or anybody else, or your pastors, or anybody else. It matters who you say Jesus is in your life. Simon says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He says, I'm going to tell you something, Simon. And this is so important. Let's actually look at this. Pull it up on the screen if you can. Matthew 16, verse 16. Simon Peter answered, says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you, you are Peter. Now, now he, he, he starts by saying, Man, you're blessed, Simon. But I'm telling you, you're Peter. Jesus gives him that name. We know of him as Peter. I've referred to him as Peter all morning. But he names him this. He calls him this. And this is, see, there's, there's something that all of us have to get. Number one is who Jesus is. But the second question we need an answer to is who we are. And I, in, in 18 years of ministry, that's the one question that no matter what age people are, no matter where they're at in life, that's the most frequent, common question. It's the same question for the retiree as it is for the middle school student. It's the same question for the person who's just walked through a painful divorce as it is the person who is stepping into a new season. It's, it's whatever it is in their life, we find that we come to a place at some point in our life where we wonder, who am I? And Simon has to find the answer to that question, and he can't find it anywhere else but Jesus. And can I just tell you, the reason we ask that question is because oftentimes we base who we are on something temporary. Our identity comes from our kids, then they move out. Our identity comes from how much money we make, and then we change jobs. We, our identity comes from the house we live in, or the car we drive, or, or how many likes we get on social media, and our identity comes from so many things, that all of which is temporary and fleeting, but Jesus is telling Peter, you were Simon, but now I'm going to tell you who you are. Because the answer to that is going to be what sets the course of Simon Peter's life. He says, I say you are Peter. Peter is in Greek, Petros, which is a piece of the rock. And he says, and upon this rock, Petra in Greek, he's, he's not talking about Peter as the rock. He's pointing to the foundation that Peter just said. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Can I tell you, the church isn't built on a person. It's built on, well, it is built on a person. His name's Jesus. It's not built on Peter. It's not built on pastors. It's not built on church people. It's built on Jesus. He's the rock. He's the foundation of his church. He's the head to the body. And Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church. Can I tell you, there's one thing in 2,000 years of human history that has outlasted governments, empires, kings, presidents, has outlasted pandemics and wars, it is the church because Jesus has been building it. And you know what he says? He says, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail. Some of us need to remember that. We think darkness is going to define the day. It's not. 
but, but then he tells them, he says, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth is what's bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is what's loose in heaven. Why is he telling that? Because Jesus isn't building an organization. The church is people. Jesus is building people that bring heaven to earth. <laughs> Simon, you've been a fisherman, but now you're going to bring kingdom impact. Now you're going to reach people for eternity. Do you know there's only one thing we can take with us to heaven? It's people. It's the only thing. And we've got to ca capture that heart. So, so in knowing Jesus, Simon finds out who he is. He's Peter. And his life is marked by who he knows now. And I want to challenge you, if you don't know the answer to that question, who am I? Get to know Jesus. Because as you get to know him, you're going to find out who you are. Not based on what people say or based on your temporary pain or temporary problem, but based on an eternal purpose and an eternal identity that comes from the God who created you. You're Peter. <laughs> The third point is this, as we advance in Peter's story, we get to the week we're in right now. Jesus, today's Palm Sunday, and today's the day we celebrate Jesus entering the city of Jerusalem, riding on a colt, riding on the donkey, and as he enters the city, people are laying down palm branches, creating a pathway for the king, but here's what I love about the story. On that day, it was the day that people would choose the lamb that they would bring to the city of Jerusalem. Jewish families would look for and pick the lamb from their flocks that they were to bring. But on that day, God was bringing his lamb into the city. Jesus showed up, and as Jesus is spending his final week preparing for the cross, he has a conversation with his disciples and he talks with Peter, and here's what he says in John, uh, oh, excuse me, Luke chapter 22. Luke, t uh, Luke describes this interaction between Jesus and Peter, and Peter has one thing. You know, Peter is a guy who likes to speak up, and God would use that very powerfully. But sometimes, like some of us who like to talk, he puts his foot in his mouth from time to time. None of you, good, okay. You know, the problem with me doing it is sometimes it's recorded. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for editing. But, but here's, here's, what, here's what Jesus describes. You know, he, he tells the disciples how one of them would betray him. And I know some of us think, like, it'd be obvious. Like, it's Judas. He's the guy that's, like, skulking in the corner, you know, uh, twisting his evil guy, bad guy mustache. Like, he just put somebody on the railroad tracks. Like, like, that's Judas. It's obvious. But the disciples didn't think it was obvious because it often would turn into an argument. They'd fight over who would betray Jesus. And it usually turned into something like this. Well, I can't betray Jesus because I'm the one that he said, I'm giving you the keys. Great job, Peter. And John says, it can't be me. I'm the one he loves. And they start arguing amongst themselves. And it always turns into a, a debate over who's the greatest goes from who would betray to who's the greatest. And Jesus, as he talks to Peter one day, tells him there's something going on in the spiritual world around Peter. And here's what he says, Luke 22, 31, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Wow. 
says the enemies, just like God has a plan for his life, the enemy has a plan to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus, I love this. This is the good news. He says, you know, I know the enemy's got a plan to undermine. I know the enemy's trying to sift you like wheat, break you down, crush you, destroy you. And maybe you're walking through a season like that right now where you feel like you're being sifted. Here's the good news. Jesus said, I have prayed for you. Do you know you still have an advocate at the throne room of heaven? You've still got an advocate who's, who's crying out on your behalf. He, he, he says, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. This is in the context of Peter who would say, I would never betray you, Jesus. And, and as we know, every one of the disciples, say for one, would flee. All of them fled, but only one came back to when Jesus would be put to the cross. And Peter himself is highlighted because Peter's known for his denial of Jesus three times before a group of people that said, you're with that Galilean, you're with Jesus. And he says, no, I don't even know the man. He denies him three times. Jesus warned him this would happen. But as I love this redemptive purpose in Jesus. He says, but when you've returned to me, the third point is this, return to Jesus. No matter where you are in your walk with God, maybe you've been distant, maybe some things have fallen down that once were a priority in your life. Maybe you're not as close to God as you used to be. Maybe you've failed like Peter has and all of us have at some point. The answer is not to run from God. The answer is always the same, run to Jesus. You know, the Bible describes something that we look in religion as a burden, but it's actually a gift. It's called repentance. To change is a gift that we have because Jesus makes transformation and change possible, that we can return to Jesus. His arms are wide open. He says, I'll never, he says, whoever comes to me, I will in no way cast out. In other words, he's saying, he's, we have in our mind that if I come to Jesus, we, we have to walk through a bunch of hoops and we have, to, we have to fix everything initially. No, no, you just come to Jesus and let him transform. Let him restore. Let him heal. Let him break chains. Let him do what your own self ever can ever produce. Come to Jesus. Repentance is a gift. And it's for all of us where we find ourselves drifting, we can come to Jesus. And that's where he is. He says, when you've returned, <laughs> before Peter had ever failed, before he had ever denied Jesus, Jesus said, the door is still open. I want you to return. And when you have, strengthen your brethren. Do you know my experience is that people tend to write other people off. My experience has been that we tend to discard people. Jason, if you want to come down. But Jesus never does. He doesn't write people off. He doesn't discard them. I want to fast forward to John 21 as we close today. John 21. Simon Peter, after he had denied Jesus, you know, we, we celebrate this Friday the crucifixion of Jesus because the culmination of all that Jesus came to do was the cross to pay the price for our sins, to take our sin and take our shame and make it possible for us to be made right with God. And, and he died on the cross on Friday and was raised from the dead on Sunday. And Peter would be among those that would find Jesus alive. But for some reason, 
even after he knew and believed in Jesus says that he's risen from the grave. I want you to see what happens in John 21, verse 3. Peter says to the other disciples, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to do the thing that I did when Jesus called me. And I don't think it's there by accident. I, I know that fishing was his prior business, and it's just how he would get food. But I, I think it's more important that we recognize in this moment, Peter, while he's believed in Jesus, has thought, yeah, I'm going back. I'm going back to fishing. I know he called me to be a fisherman, but that, that's over. I've failed too much. I've, I've gone too far. And, and while Peter's there, Jesus shows up at the side of the shore. Jesus cooks breakfast for Peter. He jumps out of the water. And uh, just fast forwarding through the story, here's what Peter comes to Jesus. And Jesus asks him another question. He says, do you love me? Simon says, of course I do. He says, feed my sheep. What's he telling him? Your purpose isn't done. It's not over. And I don't know who in here has written themselves off. But Jesus makes all things new. No matter what's happened, we can come to Jesus. And he restores and when God forgives us because of Jesus, I want you to recognize, while we deal with, often on an earthly level, the consequences of things that we've done, sometimes we've damaged relationships, sometimes, and we, we have to work through that and repair that. But when we've come back to God through Jesus, I want you to recognize this. God sees you as if you've never sinned. Church, Jesus didn't look at Peter as the one who denied him. He looked at, the, at him as the one who would see the gospel preached on the day of Pentecost, would see the church grow, would see lives transformed. He said, feed my sheep. He asked him three times. Why? Because Peter denied him three times. And God always has an answer. No matter how far we've fallen, no matter how much we've gotten off track, there's always a way back. I'm asking you to stand here. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.